Come on, Tottenham, stick it in the goal. Come on, Tottenham, the pace are bloody slow. You are the first team, the last team my dreams have ever seen. Put on that lily white and run on to that green. White Hart Lane has seen its pain, it's had its low tonight We fought our team through thick and thin and all those boring nights And when the game is done we'll sing a song and talk it out all night Hey, Come on Tottenham, stick it in the goal Come on Tottenham, don't be so bloody slow You are the first team, the last team Hi, it's season 4, episode 18 of the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast My name's Jav, joining me this week for our last podcast of this calendar year Zoe Pearson from Watford Hiya. And I'm um, pleased to say, making his de- de- debut, um, regular on the Hotspur Americas podcast, Vasconi from Southern Coalfields. Hi, how are you doing, Jeff? All right. Oh, I'm good. Um, before, obviously, there's, there's been a, a couple of games since um, we last recorded a podcast, which was two, two weeks ago. So before we talk about those and uh, various other things, um, as is customary with any new guest, um, Vas, how do you get bitten by the Spurs bug? Oh, I can solely blame my late dad for that, uh, Jav. Um, he came to the UK in the, around 1960, was looking for a team to support, and he went to White Hart Lane one night, first European game against Gornick, and he was bitten then, and then he's just really just passed it down to me. Uh, he used to take me when I was little, and I've been going ever since. Excellent. Okay, um, we've had, as I said, we've, we've had a couple of games um, since since the last podcast. So um, Burnley away last Saturday, and, and and Southampton at home on on Boxing Day. And of course, we're going to talk about those. But um, a certain um, Mr. Harry Kane has um, stolen the headline headlines some, somewhat. Um, um, so we've got lots of questions around him, so it would be rude not to begin with with um, talking about our Harry. Um, just looking at que- listeners from questions, sorry, questions from listeners even um, on Twitter at Fon1K. This lad, Harry Kane, what does the future hold for him? Um, Vass, you've you've been following Spurs for, for for a while. Is is he the best striker that we've had? Um, he's certainly the best striker that I've ever seen. Uh, we've had good strikers in the in the past. I mean, I'm not old enough to have ever seen Jimmy Greaves, but uh, I understand he was pretty phenomenal. Um, since then, you know, we've had a few strikers in, in the 70s and in the early 80s, which I suppose was the team I relate to most. We had Archibald and Crooks, but neither of those were what we'd call prolific um, in the 90s it was a bit of a drab time for uh, us as uh, Spurs fans and I know we had Teddy Sheringham and then Robbie Keane came along and Jermaine Defoe I suppose has been the best uh, of that era uh, but no Harry Kane I think just blows everything out of the water I mean the records that he's setting and to think that he's only 24 uh, the man's just phenomenal and hopefully he'll be around for a long while to continue breaking all sorts of records at, at Tottenham. So we've probably run out of um, superlatives to describe Harry Kane. Um, what's What can we say about him that hasn't already been said? It's, it's so it's so difficult because he's just, he's, he's indescribable the way he plays sometimes and the records 
he's setting and the the goals that he's scoring and the hat tricks. It's not just one goal that could win us a game. It's hat trick after hat trick after hat trick, and it it's it's something we haven't really seen the like of in this modern Tottenham era. Like for me, obviously, um, I was born in 1991, so sort of the modern Tottenham are the, are the ones that I've sort of seen in the last sort of 10 and 15 years. And I thought that we would struggle to find somebody that I would ever see that would hit the heights that Gareth Bale did. But I think he has absolutely surpassed him. And they play, obviously, different roles. You know, Gareth Bale could win us a game in a heartbeat. But to have somebody that leads the line the way Harry does. And he's he's not just a striker. He His whole game is is so important to the way that Tottenham play. You know, he's looking to... I remember seeing an interview that he did... Um, with Sky Sports a little while ago and he said that he wanted to improve and you sort of think how can how can this guy improve with the records that he's setting but he said he wants to improve his assists and you know how many world strikers think like that he's one in a million and I hope that he's and I and I, I think he will be with us for a, a long time to come I mean, the, the beautiful thing about Bale is um he, sorry, Freudian slip there. Um, Kane, even um, it's the fact that he's come through. You know, he is one of our own. He's come through, come through the ranks. And as you said, when when Bale left, um, there was a void. Um, there was somebody that that you know got you out of your seat, and and he'd left. And little did did any of us think that as good as Kane perhaps looked, possibly as a prospect. Um, no, I, mean, I don't think anybody could have envisaged that he would reach the heights that he has. And you're right, he, he's... I was reading an article about him, and um, in terms of like individual imp- improvement and, and seeking to improve, um, he employed a, a chef earlier this year um, that, that, that's um, literally just at his house for six days of the, eight days of the week, so that he's on top of his diet... Um, I mean, you only have to look at him, his physique. Um, there's, there's hardly any body fat. He's he's strong. He's lean. Um, he, he's a perfect a- a- athlete. And, and moreover, a brilliant example, a brilliant ro- role model. Um, it's, you don't often say that about footballers in, in this day and age, but he's got... He's just... He's got everything from a footballing perspective um, on the field, but also how he conducts himself off it. He's, he's just a, an amazing player. Um, Vass, it was interesting you, you you were mentioning some of those um, names from from yesterday. Yeah, and for me, yeah, I, Greaves. From my timeline as a Spurs fan, started around nineteen ninety. So um, the likes of say Greaves or Gilzean and Archibald Crooks, um, even Clive Allen was just slightly before, um, or Clive Allen in a Spurs shirt, that is, was slightly before my time, so I've, I've seen countless number of clips. But when I put him against the likes of Gary Lineker, Teddy Sheringham, Jürgen Klinsmann, great players, um, and more recently Berbatov and Keane, um, he's he's had his shoulders above those. I mean, Defoe's the interesting one, that in terms of records, I think Kane's got He's somewhere. He's like top ten in terms of goal scorers. Um, Spurs with 123 goals, and you've got Jermaine Defoe sitting in fifth place with 143. So that's probably his next 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 goal would would be to break into that top five. Fantastic player. Yeah, I'm, I'm, if, the way he's going, he'll probably break into uh, well beyond Jermaine Defoe, 
if not the end of this season, then certainly within the middle of next season. Um, he's just got an all-round game that oozes confidence and it seems as though whenever the ball gets to him, um, you, you know that he's going to, or you're fairly confident, I should say, that he's going to score. Uh, we had um, the game against Burnley last weekend, which you touched on briefly. Mm. And, you know, we were missing chances at 1-0, um, fairly good chances. And yet, when the ball came to Harry Kane, you just knew he wasn't going to miss. And he made it 2-0. It's just, the guy is just phenomenal. You can run run out of uh, superlatives. Um, the guy, he's set for, for, for big, big records um, at, at Spurs. And I'm sure he'll stay long enough to break them. Yeah, and it's also he's got he's got in terms of records. I mentioned the you know getting into the top five, and then and then ultimately, I mean, Greaves' record of 266 goals and 379 appearances over nine years. Um, doing the maths, if Kane continues the same ratio he has at the moment, which is 123 in in 189 games, that's over that's over a six year period. Although he really only was a regular from 2014. Um, if, you, if he continues at the same ratio, he's, he's going to surpass that. But it, it, he's got that determination, not just to break that record, but he's got an eye, no doubt, on um, Wayne Rooney's record um, w- with England. He's obviously already broken the record number of goals scored in a calendar year in the Premier League and, and also in, in Europe's top elite, surpassing Ronaldo and Messi, um, which is a nice little segue to the next couple of questions. Um Kent Goodrich makes the comment, Messi who, Ronaldo Watts, and then Ed Brad follows up with, I like this question, is Harry Kane heralding the era of the true striker again? Rather than the false strikers, or false strikers of Messi, Ronaldo era, which is now in its winter. Are we seeing an end to the false nine? Um, well, I, possibly. Possibly, although I mean, somebody like Ronaldo, he he's got he does have a striker in the team in Benzema, mm. but generally the rest of the Real Madrid players and Ronaldo tend to ignore him. So <laughs> um, it's and as far as Messi goes, uh, yeah, I mean he's got Suarez in the side now, hasn't he? And he had Neymar alongside him before as well. Whereas I don't know if the false nine is is a thing anymore. And, and, even with Harry Kane, he's he plays as the out and out striker. Of course, he does, but he's got that ability to just drop off, uh, yeah, and play behind a Lorente, for example, as we did in the away game at Madrid. So there's a lot more about him than just being a pure prolific striker. I think. Absolutely, I, I was going to say he's got a lot of those. What what he's got a lot of those attributes. What he is, he's certainly a throwback to um a striker or a centre forward in the conventional sense, but he's also got all of those attributes, like you say, dropping back, he's got the skill and the guile to to play as a number ten. Um whether that's, you know, playing off somebody like Lorente or even if even if he's the only person up there, um he he can almost do both both roles at once, be the target man, run the channels, get the goals, but also drop back um and create space for for others breaking from midfield. Um we're quite fortunate because I think he's he's got uh, traits of a lot of play. I mean, you can see a bit of Berbatov in him, a bit of Bale in him, a bit of Sheringham in him. You know, there's a bit of the Defoe in him. He seems to have picked up um, good traits from 
I don't know if he's worked with it, all of these players, certainly some of them, but you know, he's he's learned a lot and he's good at a lot. So, and I think that helps him. He's not just a one-trick pony, as it were. Um, he's been cr- criticised by other fans as being either a tap-in merchant or, or a penalty merchant, which is so far away from the truth. It's un- unbelievable. But he's he's got so much more to to his locker and his game. So, yeah, he's he's definitely the the, the best striker we've had in a, probably since Greaves, anyway. Mm. Zoe, is there a danger that we're um, this is just going to become a bit of a hurricane loving? And obviously, we're all Spurs fans, and, and we're, we're biased to some some degree. But and I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate to some degree. But are we looking at it with with, with gross tinted glasses? And and, are, and does Kane have any weaknesses at all, if any, to his game? Because I can't I, mean, I can't see any. No, this this is this is the thing. I mean, obviously, we we have Spurs fans, and you know, we're going to sing his praises because. We're, we're watching him week in, week out, and we're seeing how brilliant he is. But, you know, the records speak for themselves. They stand alone without having, you know, a Spurs fan tell you how brilliant he is. You know, you can see the, the hat-tricks that he's putting in week in, week out, you know. And it's not just it's not just his goal-scoring ability. And it's like you guys were saying, you know, he has all the, the skill of a number 10 to hold the ball up, but with the finishing of a, of a true number 9. And... You know, it, he has the ability to lead the team. I think a lot of people overlook his leadership qualities. And I think that's why there was a whole big debate about, you know, him being given the England captaincy. But, you know, that is a huge part of his game, being able to to lead from the front, to create space, to bring others into play. He's unselfish. And that, to me, is just as important as his, as his finishing ability because he's looking to play that pass so even if it isn't for him to score he's willing to put it on a plate for somebody else and I think that is hugely hugely important because that can turn you know a draw a game that's drawing into into a win not for being selfish he has the selfishness of a strike of course he does but there's that other side to him which you know long term I think we'll we'll see him eventually take up the armband from from Loris, you know eventually um and become the full-time captain of mm. tottenham um but he's just it's like you say you you run out of you run out, out of adjectives to describe how brilliant he is and i'm just so pleased that i'm of the era of spurs fans that i can say to my children's children that i remember harry ken and, and i think you're right he will be after greasy's record at least i you know i, I hope he he breaks it. I really do. There's, we often, um, the words arrogance and, and confident, confidence cannot be intertwined or, or uh, they're different things, but, but sometimes that, that, that they can be, um, uh, you know, a footballer, for example, let's say uh, Ronaldo, um, often people say that he's quite arrogant. Um, I don't know if that's fair or not, but with Kane, there's, confidence and there is self-determination to to achieve all of those records but there isn't that arrogance there isn't that demeanor about him he just goes about does his does his business in 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 the right way um even though he's got he's got the strive i suppose to, to to get those goals but it's not selfish it's not he's always got the interest of of, of, of the best interest of the team at heart first and foremost um 
A few comments from Rob Craxford, um, slightly tongue-in-cheek. Is a, um, was football invented with the Premier League? This is obviously in, in reference to the record that, that um, Kane has just broken Alan Shearer's 22-year record. Is a calendar year record a thing? Surely it would. It should be season to season. And, and then he jokes, can Harry Kane score in August? Well, we know, we know the answer to the last one, not not just yet, but... Yeah, um, he, he can score in August, he just chooses not to. Yeah, he he more than makes up for it, scoring other... Yeah. other um, he, has to give, he has to give the other strikers a head start, doesn't he, surely? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's an, uh, another amazing thing. I mean, he's now he's a leading scorer in the Premier League. I mean, Lukaku was on fire early on in the season, um, you know, and part of a Manchester United team that was firing on all cylinders. And Kane didn't, as you say, he, he gave everybody that head start, start in August, and come come the turn of the year, he's um, or end, end of the year even, he's um, he's leading the leading golf charts, golf scoring charts. Amazing, absolutely amazing. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it's not even just August, uh, Jav. You, you you look at the last two seasons, mm. he's won the Golden Boot each time. And in both seasons, he's had a, a spell out through injury. So, you know, imagine if he was uh, fully fit for a full season. It's, you know, it, it, what he can do is just uh, immense. And he's only 24, so he's got a good, good, mm-hmm. good few years ahead of him. Um, final question on... Well, final question for the moment on Kane. Um, John Stiggles, why wasn't Kane subbed after the hat-trick? Gosh. I think he, he wants to play every minute, doesn't he? I think he, he probably felt he could score more. I mean, are we talking about the hat-trick against um, I think Southampton? It, I, think the, yeah. I think the last one against Southampton when, when he broke yeah. all those records. It did occur to me that Pochettino might substitute him and it, you know, and it might be an opportunity oh, yeah, for him to get a stand, standing ovation. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. that yeah, maybe he should have done that. I don't know, maybe. Probably just didn't think about it. <laughs> Business as usual, wasn't it? At the end of the day. Yeah, that's, that's what I, su- I suspect it was. Um, or, or maybe it's a. I don't know. Maybe they don't do that sort of thing in, in South America. Or maybe yeah, it's just let's just concentrate on the, on, on the task and uh, task in hand and not get carried away in all the hype and all the records. Mm. It was such a huge occasion for Harry, though. I think I think he probably wanted to enjoy it from minute one to to minute ninety, like like Baz was saying. Mm. He probably didn't want to come off. You know, how often do games like that roll around for players and for him to break the record in the manner that he did? He didn't just he didn't just break the record. He absolutely smashed it. And he, he was enjoying himself out on the pitch. And maybe that's why he just he wasn't subbed, subbed off. So that then he could give the applause, at, you know, at the end to the fans mm-hmm. like he did. And, and clear, you know, you clear the match ball as well. Yeah, you you don't begrudge him. You don't begrudge him wanting to stay on it in an occasion like that. If the even though the game was slightly less momentous, then maybe he would have been subbed off. But I mean, only Pochettino really knows the answer to that question. But I I have no no problem with him if he, wanting to stay on for the full game and enjoying the moment. Good for him. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about Burnley and the Burnley and Southampton matches. So I mean, back to back wins. Um, the Burnley victory away from home um, that, that was a first in a while and then follows up with um, with another comprehensive win against Southampton um, just going to dive straight into questions so around some of those games Kent Goodrich, more of a comment Soko came on against Southampton um, and we conceded two goals, just saying is that a bit harsh? I mean very yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, I don't see how you can even 
relate the conceding of two goals to to, to Sissoko coming on. Um, Sissoko worked well in the midfield. We, we conceded two goals because we got somewhat complacent. And if we're being really harsh, we could um, pin those goals conceded more on Hugo than we can mm. on Sissoko because he really should have saved the first one, I think. And he's probably disappointed with himself that he didn't. Uh, the second one he conceded was wasn't a great punch, but then to get the ball away the first time. But then once the shot came in, he got a full hand to it, but maybe he was on the stretch and he just pushed it into the goal. But I guess unbeknownst to him, Harry Kane was—I think it was Harry Kane—was on the line behind him and probably would have cleared it anyway if uh, Hugo hadn't uh, touched it. I think it's easy to to scapegoat Sissoko. It's too easily done, but I think in the last couple of games uh, in particular uh, he's improved generally um, this season but the last couple of games in in particular when he's come on uh, he's done well he's broken up uh, play midfield he's just laid the ball off done the simple things and uh, I think he's been doing okay no real issues there for me I mean that's what we want of Sissoko really to to come in and and do a job and, and, and sort of string that midfield together I think it's like you say Vass you know I think the problem with Sissoko is, and and particularly with online and opinions online and things like Twitter, I just don't, I just don't think he'll ever really be cut any slack after his first season, which is which is unfortunate. You know, we should be looking at his performances game by game, but there's just obviously a selection of fans that will not, in any way, shape, or form, sort of. Yeah, we, we, love, love, a, we love a scapegoat at Spurs, Zoe, unfortunately. Yeah, have, we, we done, do. have done for decades. You know, we, we do. Uh, there's always one guy that isn't quite good enough or he's he a weak well. link. Yeah, and yeah. You're, you're right. Some people make up their minds and they'll never change it. I mean, some people are still um, giving Lamella a hard time sort of four years in. Uh, mm. I know the guy's been injured for a long period, but, you know, it, it's just the way of the world. People mm. see what they want to see at times and if they form an opinion it's very hard to change it but ultimately once the players caught on the shirt and they come on the pitch just got to get behind them haven't we you have to support them you have to support them I mean it's unfortunate for, for Sissoko that he's been in a few one-on-one situations and I think people make up their mind that he's he's going to miss before he's even kicked the, kick the ball and in the end yeah okay maybe he he should do better in front of goal than, than he, when he's been given opportunity but you sort of you can't blame him for having that lack of confidence because of the the amount of backlash he's seemingly got, and I don't know. I think it's a bit it's a bit unfair. Yeah, he we'll needs to learn how to finish. I think, but apart from that, I think he's doing yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 improved since last season, and he's been you know fortunate enough, given some of the injuries we've had elsewhere earlier this season, with Wanyama out with. Moussa Dembele, yeah, we need him, and he, he steps in, and he's done all he can do. Um, I, I'm not sure what fans expect from him. Do they expect him to? This is a so it's like you get this with with Ben Davis as well, for example. Um, some fans want him to play like Danny Rose. Well, he's he's not Danny Rose. He's a different player, and in the same way as Sissoko, he's not he's not Victor Wanyama. He's not Gareth Bale. He's he's Moussa Sissoko. Um, and I think Trippier gets it as well. Yeah, I think yeah. Trippier gets it a lot. Um, okay, one of the, one of the um, 
sort of stand out apart from Kane over over the over these last two matches has been the form of De- um, Delhi Alley. Um, John Stegall's question from him: Delhi working his way back into form. Seems that way, doesn't it? Um, the last couple of games, he's been. He, he seems to be getting back to where he was last season. It it's, took a while. I've got to be honest. Um, this season, he's. He started off slow, started off a bit moody. He, uh, I don't know whether there, there were other things in the background going on or not. We can only speculate um, as far as that goes. But certainly it's, it's took him a little while. We do forget that he's 21. Um, he set a really high bar the last two seasons. I mean, to think that he was playing League One football with MK Dons not that long ago. And now he's been elevated to this sort of level. It's all down to him and his uh, ability and his natural talent that he has. But he's had a he's had a difficult start to the season. But the last couple of games, most definitely getting back to to what we know Deli Ali is like. Um, it's no coincidence as well that you know having no midweek games for a little bit maybe that's allowed uh, Pochettino the time to work on a few things on the training pitch, maybe put an arm around the shoulder and, and, and have a word in people's ears. And We seem to just clicked on a little bit more than, than we were previous to the Burnley game. Hmm. I think with Delhi, he's he's a player that, that breeds so much confidence. You know, his game is, is built, uh, you know, hugely on, on, on confidence. And you're right, he, he did start slowly to the season, but he's obviously the sort of player that has to play his way through periods like that you know there were calls not that long ago for him to have been dropped for a few games or to you know to to be left on the bench and it's like we we had the couple of debates on here before Jav and Mm. you know we were sort of saying you know what what benefit does that do for for any anybody and you know Pochettino stuck with him kept playing him kept playing him hopefully now we'll see the the benefits of 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 his trust in Delhi even when things weren't going 100% as Delhi would want and as Pochettino probably would want, that, to, to me, shows the trust that Pochettino has in him. And that is why we need, as fans, to, to, to back Delhi even through the difficult periods, which, which you know, a lot, of, a lot of us try to do. You know, he, it's, it's like Faz was saying, he set such a high standard when he came in and he almost sort of took his chance and, 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 never, and never let it slide. But there was that can never be sustained for, you know, year on year, year on year periods. He was always going to have that little slump in form, which just so happened to be the start of this season. But hopefully now that that means that he's finally his feet again, and we'll see the best of Dali Dali Ali in the in the weeks to come after Christmas. But I could also say as well, um, Christian Eriksen I thought had a particularly good game as well. I thought he was really, really good. Yeah, I think you're right. I, th- I thought Christian had um, sort of uh, slipped back a little bit after the World Cup qualifiers. You know, massive effort from him to lead his country to the World Cup finals. Now, I, don't, I don't know whether that just took something out of him for a little while, but um, he, he, his form seemed to drift for, for Spurs after that. But yeah, he, he seems to be back on the ball as well. And I think you're right, Zoe. It's just it's all about confidence and I think if one of these players steps up and another one does as well then everything starts to click again whilst Harry Kane has 
been quite consistent in his form. Um, I think Deli Ali and Christian Eriksen were the ones that were sort of off form at the same time, and ultimately that's what had been affecting us. But it's good to see that they're both now sort of playing like they like they can do. I think. I think it's co- it's co- sorry, Jeff. Sorry, no. I was going to say it. It co- it coincides with the return of Lamella an awful lot. I think because they know that if they don't perform, then Lamella is snapping at their heels, ready to get back into that team. Yeah. Yeah, that that's a good point because early in the season, you know, even if even if you know Delhi wasn't playing well, there are two schools of thought: do you persevere with him, and eventually he'll come good, or or do you drop him? Now, if you drop him, that's fine. If you've got somebody waiting in the wings, but we didn't really at that point. Now you have got Lamella, who's 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 obviously he's finding his way back from a long term injury injury, but he's 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 knocking on knocking on the door, and um, you can't. It's, it's, it'll be very difficult to have Lamella, Eriksson, Delhi, Son, and Kane all all on the same pitch at any one point in time. You know, whichever formation you, you play, so one of those is is going to is going to have to miss out. And the fact we've got Lamella pushing, not knocking on the door, is good. Just on Eriksson, um, um, it just reminded me that at the start of last season. Um, there was you know, talk of Ericsson wanting to sign a new, hadn't, hadn't signed a new contract yet. Obviously, obviously, he eventually did, did later later in the autumn. But I remember Ericsson started the season slowly, and then he came good. Um, even Delhi last season, he he really started started to hit hit a rich vein of rich vein of form from this point onwards last season. Um, and hopefully, he'll, he'll do the same. We can't expect players to always be on top top of a game. Um, and against Southampton, there wasn't a better side. I, I thought when we've got all of those players, um, Son, the Holy Trinity of Son, um, Delhi, and Ericsson in full flow, and Kane as well um, attacking, and then obviously later on, um, Lamella came on as well. But there was a, there was a breakaway we had in that game, um, second half, where Lamella. Started the move, and they're all just running forward. Lamella, Kane, um, I can't remember which of the other two. I think Delhi was still on the pitch, and I think it might have been Delhi who, in, in the end, might, or, or Son, one of those, I can't remember, had, had a gr- great chance to square it back to Lamella, but didn't take that option. But just all of those players in full flow attacking teams. It's People love to go on about, I don't know, Liverpool at the moment, and they're. Um, their forward line, but our forward line is pretty good. When 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 we're on top of our game, we, there isn't for me uh, any better in, in the Premier League. I know you can talk about Man City, and uh, but they, I mean they've taken things to a different level this season. But um, we've got some good players, um, yeah. and, and I think sometimes as fans we 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 forget that. Um, okay, we've got a question from friend of the show. Aaron Wolf, um, host of the first time, long time podcast. It's a very good podcast. Um, give it a listen. Um, his Twitter handle is at Aaron Wolf. Um, Aaron says Southampton at home felt like a return to the Spurs of old. Energetic press, building creatively from the back, incisive passing in the final third. Is this simply a return to form, the product of not having Champions League to currently distract, um, or is it just the fact that we were playing poor opposition? And he follows up as well um, with uh, the second question which is um, why do the two competitions 
appear to be the problem. After all, we tend to excel in these heavy fixture pileups, so it can't be multiple games a week, and it's not travel. We suffer from we suffer after European home games as much as away. So is it mental? Okay, there's a lot there to tackle. Um, so before I bring you guys in, I'm of the opinion that against Southampton in particular, they were they were poor. Um, there was a moment early in the first half that they, they, they did try to press Hugo when he was trying to um, bring out the ball. That was the only point I was concerned. But after that, they they didn't set up in the way that other teams, other if you like lesser teams, do when they play us. Wembley. It was quite open. There was a lot of space. I think they were a poor team. But you've but there's that old adage: you've got to you've got to beat what's put in front of you. And I don't want, in my opinion, I don't think they were great. But I don't. That shouldn't diminish from the fact that we we put in a superb performance. Um, so personally, I don't think it was just a question of poor opposition. I think we. We played very well in that game. We did all the things that Aaron mentioned. Um, you know, um, patient and, and creative build-up from, from the back, energetic press, and then most of all being incisive in the final third. Sometimes that's cost us in a lot of games. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about that, and then, and then obviously there's the other part of his question, which is juggling the Champions League and the Premier League. Zoe. I mean, I think it's like you say, I do think the Southampton team was not at their sparkling best in that game. I mean, they were poor in periods, but, you know, they did score two goals against us, so they have got the quality to finish. I think um, it, it's hard. I think, to be honest, I think that the team itself looked well balanced uh, against Southampton. You know, we had the fullbacks of Aurea and, and Rose and they were looking to sort of get forward at every opportunity. We had Dyer and Dembele. I think that was is that the first time this season that we've actually been able to field those two together? Dyer and Dembele. Uh I think it might be, yeah. So I mean they've had a partnership for the last couple of seasons and they were always you know you know, Dyer wasn't able to drop back into a back three. He was able to sort of marshal that midfield on his own and obviously then we had the the front sort of four of Sonny, Ericsson, Deli and, and Kane. And we just looked like a well-balanced team. And I think we probably have missed that because we've had the likes of your Wanyamas and your Alderweirelds and p- different periods of injury. We've, we've, we've suffered from that this season, I think. And we've, we were able to field a team yes, uh, against Southampton of, of actual incisiveness you know we were able to to get the ball out wide and, and have the fullbacks taking people on rather than sort of passing back into the midfield and paying you know that one touch stuff through the mid through the midfield and then into the front the front players and then the chances are are gone um do i think that you know the 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 fixture congestion could be a factor you know with the European exertions you know there was a, a time where we were playing games and then you know having that, that European hangover you know the, the West Brom game is an example of that but I, I don't know I, I think we're, we're gonna we can see now after this little set, set of fixtures in this in this festive period I think we've got is it is it is it um Two games in three days, is That's it? That's right. Well, yeah, yeah. T- two two league, yeah, two league games in three days. Yeah. Two league games in three days. So, so the fixtures aren't letting up anytime soon. We might not have a, a European fixture, but we're certainly not going to be um, 
we're not going to be of that of the of the thing where it is going to be any let up at all that that that's just not that's just not the nature of the beast so i, I you know I, it's hard to say really but before i bring you in vast just, just off i'm sorry off the top of my head i think diaron's Dembele started against Watford, possibly at home, but I think Dyer might have been in the back, or or if he didn't start at the back, he ended up there when Sanchez got sent off, mm. I believe. Um, and also, just a quick thing on uh, just now to mention Sanchez, I think his return the last few games has been a big, big help because, um, <laughs> particularly, it's one thing losing Alvaro, but losing Sanchez as well. I think that that's that's been a blow and. Um, I don't think we've ever lost a game this season when, when, we, when we've had a back three of Alderweireld, Vertonghen and, and Sanchez. Um, we've looked, in fact, pretty, pretty formidable. Anyway, I digress. Um, Vass, was it a return to Spurs of old and, and how much was that down to us or, or the opposition? First of all, message to Aaron. Please stop sending in such difficult questions. Um, I don't know. I think, <clears throat> I think Southampton were poor. Uh, no, no question about that. But I think whilst there has been some uh, issues around team formation and getting players back and maybe Dyer moving into the midfield, I mean, I've always maintained that Dyer is a better centre-back than he is a midfielder. But he had a good game against Southampton in midfield um, the other day. Uh, and it's all of the kind of things that, that Zoe's mentioned, but... I would just pin it on the fact that the press was back. We were pressing a lot better against Burnley and against Southampton. We were winning the ball back or regaining possession in dangerous areas, which would then set us up for uh, a quick attack. And it's those things that we weren't really doing much earlier in the in the season. Um, I mean, Wembley shouldn't be an excuse, and for Spurs, I don't think it was, but I think it was certainly making other teams play differently when they came to Wembley. Um, and w- we found ourselves with uh, p- playing playing teams that aren't that weren't too um, adventurous, and we found that difficult. And injuries have played their part. We can't deny that. I mean, we started the season with what was it four or five consecutive away wins and that was really what was holding up our form but then once the injuries uh, came about then our form started to to dip as well Um, as far as Sanchez goes you know the guy came from Ajax he's straight into the team he's kind of hit the ground running I think he was it was starting to catch up with him a little bit and probably the one good thing of him getting that red card against Watford is it gave him a three three week rest (laughs) And um, he probably needed it. So it's a load of factors. Um, we do get heavy fixture pileups around this time of year. But, of course, we're not travelling in and out of Europe. So there's that to consider too. But I think really it's just about getting players to the peak of their fitness now. This is when they start to come into their own. The, the press seems to be back. And I think there is a, more of a competition for places. So we're looking good going into the new year. Mm. Um, OK, question from Ed Brad. Um, Uriah, 
featured ahead of trip trips in the last two games. How is he developing, and what does he offer t- different to Trippier and Walker Peters? Um, I think uh, I think Oreo is, is clearly the better player in that position out of all the uh, three of those players. Uh, he's needed time to adjust. Uh, Trippier finished last season really well. We know the Carl Walker saga and how Trippier came in for him, and he he performed competently during that time. But I think he struggled this season, and he was really found out uh, two or three games ago uh, in the last four game that he, he played. Uh, and I think perhaps it's got to the point now where Pochettino is viewing Aurea as his starting choice right back, mm. and I think we'll see him feature a lot more. So, be interesting to see what goes um, how it goes forward. But I think Oreo, out of the three of them, probably is uh, a slightly better defender, and he offers probably more going forward. It's unfair to consider Walker Peters. He's only had that performance in the very first game away at Newcastle, where he, funnily enough, got man of the match. But um, I think we could be looking at Oreo. And Walker Peters going forward. There's there's rumours of bids coming in for Trippier now, and I think Spurs might be in a position to consider those offers. Uh, in my personal opinion, yeah, it's a, it's a shame because Trippier. I mean, you know, when when things are going well and we're doing well as we were um, in the second half of last season, when we put that run of games together, he featured in a lot of those matches. Um, his crossing ability is second to, to none. You can't we can't forget that but he doesn't have the pace you know it goes back to comparisons with other players you know he doesn't have the pace of um the lad that we sold to man city or or, or to area for example and defensively he's he's been found wanting a few times this season but yeah i i, I personally I, I agree with you Vass. I, I think just looking at it looking at the last few matches looking at pochettino's selection it's always difficult to try to second guess him um, but I, I think Uriya seems to be um, staking a claim. He likes, he likes rotating his forwards, yeah. doesn't he, Chelsea? Yeah. And he did, and he did that even when Carl Walker was here. Um, and Danny Rose is now coming back to match fitness, and so therefore the rotation was happening. Mm. It may happen a little less now, but we know how big Pochettino is on. Uh, fitness of players and keeping them at their optimum. His system demands a lot from the fullbacks or wingbacks, and um, perhaps that's why he's more prone to change rotating those positions than any other. But I think at some point he's he's gonna he's gonna settle, isn't he? So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how he does settle on on who. I think the yeah, I think you're absolutely right. He, he will he will settle um, at some point. I think that the the Davis Rose. Um, Battle, if that's the right word, I'm sure there's a better word than battle, um, or competition, whatever you want to call it. That, that, that I don't think is is um, it's definitive just yet. Who's going to come out on top on that one? But I think Uria at the moment seems to be sneaking ahead of of um, Trippier. For me, Uria, um, I can see that he's a better player. He just frustrates me sometimes. I, I do when I watch him. I, I noticed a lot of the time. Times he cuts back and he plays simple 
passes, sideways passes, and when I when I know that he's got the ability to surge forward, and his final final ball could be a bit, a bit better. I'm being hypercritical, and and that was said of say Walker and Rose early on in their careers, and and both of, both of them improved considerably under Pochettino, and I've got no doubt that Uria will continue to do so. Um, Zoe, how do you think he's he's developing? I think with Aurier, I mean, there's a reason why he was at PSG. There's an obvious quality there, you know, with him. And I think it's like you guys were saying, I think the the thing that differentiates him between Trippier and Kyle Walker-Peters, if we can throw him in after one appearance, uh, like I said, I don't think think that's fair either, Bass. But I think, like I say, it is that ability to stretch the the opposition and and play the ball going forward and and have the ball in possession. And obviously, we don't see a huge amount of that with with Trippier. He doesn't he doesn't really take on his his man like Aurier does. And although Aurier is prone to to a mistake here and there, you know the the odd sideways ball, it's you know that is ultimately going to cause us to to create the more dangerous chances by stretching the opposition by pulling them out of position. And 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 for me, Aurier does that better than Trippier does. I think what Trippier brings is that assurance on the ball. You know um, his ability to play that ball into Kane for Kane to get on the end of. You know they've scored a few a few decent goals from from that little partnership. So what Trippier provides is shouldn't be overlooked by any stretch because you know on the, on his day doing that well it, you know can can end in a and result in a goal. But I think Aurier has from starting the last two games. I think he has is no slightly in front of of Trippier's mm. but like you say he there's going to be that rotation and I think in terms of team balance I think Aurier and Rose probably are the the two that balance each other better and Trippier and Davis probably balance the team better when they when they both play in terms of a, a more defensive setup but I think Aurier's for, for me he's he's first choice just at the moment you talked about rotation, and I think that the um, game is coming up this week will will will, will mean that rotation will, will feature heavily. Um, so yeah. let's just briefly look at um, the next three matches and just just get your thoughts on those. So Swansea away firstly on Tuesday, then we've got West Ham Thursday evening, West Ham at home, and then um, a week tomorrow it's AFC Wimbledon in the third round of the FA Cup, also at home. Um, yeah, no doubt players will be rested, rotated um, for those games. How Pochettino is going to do it um, or how he's going to rest certain players given that we've got hardly any um, time between the Swansea yeah. and, and West Ham match uh, it will be interesting. It'll be a diff- difficult balancing act um, but we've got the right manager to, 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 to address that. Um Three wins out of three. You'd like to think so, wouldn't you? You'd like to think it'd be three wins out of three. With with the we've seen to hit a, a bit of form, and you know, although no game is easy by any stretches, as we've seen throughout the season, you'd like to think that the boys have got enough confidence now to to at least you know get nine points from those three particular games. I think the only the only negative really to come out of the Southampton game is is losing Dembele again for another little stretch but the good news is obviously um, Wanyama looks set to 
return against Swansea, whether that means he'll be on the bench, hopefully. You know, it's just uh, to see him come back, will, will, I think will give us another little boost of confidence and, and give us that security in the middle of the of the park. So, I mean, I, I, you'd like to think think that we'll have enough in terms of players' strength and depth and, and quality to, to push all three of those other teams aside. Any potential banana skins in there, Vass? Uh, there shouldn't be. Uh, Swansea are going through a difficult time. They've got a new manager now. So they might be um, up for it on Tuesday. But we should be good enough to go there and win. Uh, the West Ham game, two days left later. The time is a little bit unfortunate. And they'll be... Um, playing their cup final at Wembley for a change so yeah that might be a bit a bit tougher because they'll, they'll be up for that but we should be able to win that and then I'm assuming whilst Pochettino will want to have a good run in the FA Cup this year he won't be able to resist uh, some significant changes for the Wimbledon game uh, on, the, on the Sunday but then you know as Zoe said with when Yama coming back um, Winks is available too for the midfield Lamella might get a full game I would suspect it's somewhere along there um, so yeah I think we'd probably rotate the full backs again mm. Pochettino will manage the, the squads and I think we have the options available to us um, probably Lorente will start against Wimbledon I guess Harry Kane will, will get a rest but I think it's three games we've got to be looking at winning. Yeah. Just on Kane, I mean, um, he's got a cold at the moment. So, I mean, it's what I'll be Saturday today. Hopefully, he'll be fine by Tuesday. Um, but apart from apart from um, Alderweireld and now possibly Dembele again, um, we seem to we seem to have all our players back. Um, and, and even Alderweireld, he's, he's back training, albeit on his own at the moment. But... Um, when was the last time we could say that about Spurs that we've got all our, all our players back and available? Um, I think on West Ham, by the way, given what happened last time when they played us um, in the Carabao Cup, I think there's going to be a lot of revenge um, on players' minds and and and. Uh, well, you'd hope so. Yeah, determination to 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 you know um, address that injustice. Well, that's probably quite strong because I think West Ham injustice probably isn't isn't the right right word. I mean that they they came out in the second half and, and we didn't in that game. But um, and I think as you said at the outset, Zoe, the, the players have hit a, a rich vein of form at the moment. Yeah, and I was going to say that the West Ham the West Ham team they they had that little period of revival, didn't they? Under they they were waiting for a little while, and then under Moyes they sort of managed to get a few good little results together. But they seem to have fallen a little bit away now so you know it might, it might be the best time to to play them really when they're sort of low on confidence but then they always get up for the, for the, mm. the Spurs game so it's always likely to be a potential banana skin we just hope that it isn't if, if they get something it'll be more about complacency on our side than than, yeah. than anything that they do because they can it can be their cup final they can raise their game but um, as long as we're not complacent, it doesn't matter what they do, we'll, 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 we'll beat them. Whereas if we, the, the moment we start getting complacent about it against um, 
teams like West Ham, that, that's when we um, uh, drop points or, or lose matches. Um, right, no Spurs ladies update um, this week because um, unlike the men's game, um, the ladies um, have got a winter break, very wise. Um, their next match is on Sunday the 7th of January. Um, uh, the ladies play Brighton and Hove Albion um, at Chessant FC. Kickoff is 2 o'clock. If you can get down, please do. I think it's 5 for a ticket if you're a, uh, a member season ticket holder or a bronze member or lily white member i think it's i believe admission is three um right um let's just finish off with looking at some highlights of 2017 and and looking ahead to 2018 um two questions on 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 we've we've got from listeners around um the last 12 months richard healy um he starts by saying happy new year to to you all um what's the best spurs moment of 2017 and also which of kane's eight hat tricks has been the most memorable for you oh gosh where do you start there's been so many so many highlights in 2017 um i think obviously the 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 end of last season particularly was you know with the end with the 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 last last game at the lane and the atmosphere that that generated and the emotion behind everything um obviously real madrid that at home that that game for me stands out um finishing above arsenal even though that was not really the 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 be all and end all really i just think we it was so deserved um that 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 we finished in that way and that the last White Hart Lane derby, North London derby at White Hart Lane, you know, we won it. And that meant that therefore we finished above them. Um, in terms of Kane's hat tricks, I think ugh, there's so many to choose from. But I think the one that stands out for me has to be the the last one against Southampton, only for the fact that he clinched the, the record and he didn't just score, you know, one goal to get the record that he needed. He bagged the hat trick and... It's just such a classy, classy way to get the to get the record, and that for me that that stands out. Yeah, I'd go yeah, I'd go along with um, with what Zoe said about the highlights for 2017. Uh, Any time you beat Arsenal was a great highlight, so that's that that was one thing. But it, we we cruised past them a while at Lane, making White Hart Lane into a fortress and finishing the season unbeaten there. And then the whole kind of um, season-ending experience at the game against Manchester United will live long in the memory. Um, in terms of Harry Kane's hat-tricks, yeah, I suppose the last one, because of what it meant in that he broke the record and it ended up being a perfect hat-trick uh, with a header, right foot and left foot. So that was cool. But I, I did like the hat-trick he scored at White Hart Lane against West Brom. Um, we had some good finishes there. first one was a quick one on the edge of the area. The second one was a nice little dink over by Deli Alley that he ran onto. And the third one uh, was a cross from, might have been Carl Walker. And uh, it was like a scissor kicked. Yeah volley into the ground which he which he scored so uh, that that probably was the best one for me but yeah it's too much to choose from from 2017 mm-hmm. yeah yeah um i'd 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 go go with this last one um because of the occasion and also that 
when he sealed the hat trick, um, the way he just dinked it over with his left foot, I thought that was that was beautiful. Um, yeah, there are so many others you can talk about. I was going to, the second one. Funny enough, was, was also that's going to be like, like like the one you said, the, the West Brom um, hat trick, which, which I think was his first of the calendar year. Um, the right, yeah. the ones he got yeah. the ones that 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 was quite good the ones he got um, tail end of the season against Leicester and Hull City to, to um, get the um, golden boot um, the one against Applewell um, earlier this season that was special as well header left foot right foot yeah. Um, but yeah for, for me the, the the last one and then as for best Spurs moment, moment of 2017 I've got to agree, agree with both of you you can't get much better than that final game at White Hart Lane that that was special. I don't think anything will. Um, it's just a unique, single unique event. Um, also, what often gets forgotten, for, 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 forgotten even, um, is the fact that we finished second. We secured second spot that day, um, and the players were. You know, they were very. They went out. They did a job. First and foremost, they didn't. My was my was concerned. My biggest concern going into that game was that that. that we wouldn't secure second spot on that day, and I know we had two matches after that. Um, and we wouldn't, you know, we might even lose to United because it was United, because it was a Mourinho. They would come and spoil the party, and I was worried that we would allow the occasion to take over, and we'd end up playing the occasion rather than the match. But credit to the players, credit to Pochettino, they were very professional. They got the result. We sealed second spot. It wasn't like the season before. We still had two games in hand, and then the rest of it was just um, amazing. Final game at the lane, the rainbow, everything. Um, all the all the players of yesteryear coming by. Um, it was yeah, it was a superb occasion. Um, right, another one um, on twenty seventeen. Ed Brad, who is our most improved player this calendar year, and why? Um, he goes on to say, "For me, it's Son." Well, Son scored 20-plus goals last season, didn't he? Um, so, progress has, has been consistent and he's brought that form into this season, even when we were struggling. He, he's He's been the one who's been popping up with goals. I mean, Crystal Palace at home springs to mind. Um, I don't know about the most improved, but certainly Son's the most underrated player that, that we've got at Spurs. Maybe one of the most underrated in in the Premier League um, but um, in terms of improvements that's just a hard one to to answer mm. um, can I, can I, I mean and... Harry, Harry, Harry Winks perhaps who'd have thought he'd have had the performances he's had um, you know handling that midfield away in, in Madrid for example no oh, can I also say can I throw a, a little name in the hat I, I think um, if I could say Ben Davis for me <laughs> what I was going to say yeah uh, because I think with the, the we had that period of Danny Rose being out injured for all that time, and you know, for for me, Ben Davis he didn't just come in and do a job. He came in and he made that left back spot his own for for that for that time. Even though you know Danny was injured and there was no sort of competition there, you know, he came in. He his game vastly improved. Uh, he's had a little bit of a, a couple. of of games where he may not be to the standard he's been for the, you know the the last sort of six months or so, but you can't deny and his his attitude as well I think as as what is what really sort of set him apart because obviously with the stories coming out in the press with with Danny and 
you know, Ben sort of became Mr. Mr. Reliable. And I agree with, with, with Vass as well, with, with Harry Winks, mm. you know, for, for one so young to come in, like in the game against Real Madrid with such composure and didn't let the occasion get the better of him. You know, for me, those two are, are the, the two that stand out for me. I think with with Ben Davis, his timing, in a sense, has been uncanny. If you think of the question, um, of you know who you, Ed Brad's question was about the calendar year, and it was at the end of January that Danny Rose got that injury against Sunderland, and Ben, that's when Ben got his big. You know, obviously Pochettino was doing that thing prior to prior to that, where he was rotating the fullbacks, but Danny Rose was still the number one. Ben got a chance, and he took his chance, and he's he's excelled. Um, I absolutely agree with you. And yeah, Winks is an, another good one. He's um, it's been a joy to watch Harry Winks over the last few months. Um, just turning ahead to 2018. Um, any predictions from from either of you, and who, if anyone, could you see joining in the January window or leaving for that matter? Gosh, it's hard. It's hard to say. Um, I think. Possibly just from the amount of paper talk I've seen, possibly Ryan Sessegnon is the one that seems to be the one that's continually linked. And they're saying he's chosen a move to Tottenham over Man United and Real Madrid and, and all this. And to me, he would would seem the most likely move to happen because we could take him, say, sign him in, in January and then loan him back to, to Fulham for the remainder of the season and bring him in in the summer. What that would mean for our other left backs who knows but to me the two names that really stand out are him and 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 possibly Ross Barkley from Everton whether that's a popular choice or not I I don't really know but um there was all that thing this summer with him and to me I think the two of them could potentially be brought in for 2018 but but who who knows who knows we may do nothing (laughs) yeah I think the January window is a hard window to judge for me personally it's bit of a waste of time um, the only players that tend to move in January are those people that have been rankling for a move or are unhappy um, Virgil van Dijk for example had no intention of staying at Southampton longer than he needed to and it's no wonder he's moved now in January yeah. um, and if you do are going to buy a player in January January you, you do tend to overpay so I think it's a difficult window uh, I can't see too much business getting done and I'd urge all Spurs fans not to raise expectations. Mm. Um, in terms of the names that uh, Zoe mentioned, more chance of those than anything else. Uh, Sessegnon, if we are going to go for him, I could probably see a, a, a purchase and loan back situation. And as far as uh, Barkley goes, there's strong rumours linking him to Chelsea now, but We've got to remember that Chelsea were in for him in the summer as well, and he sort of chose not to go there. So I'll take that with a pinch of salt for the time being. And if we do miss out on Barkley, then so be it. We couldn't have wanted him badly enough if 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 we if that is the case. But th- those are the only two names I could see. Well, this um, uh, mentioning of people like Wilfred Zaha, etc. I think you need to put that on the back burner because. Even if um, we wanted Zaha, uh, there's no guarantee, A, that Palace would um, sell to us and B, they're in the middle of a, well, a relegation scrap, so they're yeah. not their best player, are they? No. It, it amazes me um, that 
Spurs fans, football fans in general, always have this notion, oh, we, we must go and buy somebody in the January transfer window. When A, um, as you said, they're not... Okay, so you've got players are going to be cup-tied, right? Um, whether it's FA Cup or, or European competitions. The best players... Um, Top clubs aren't gonna, or, or, or lesser clubs aren't, aren't, aren't gonna want to let go of those players in the middle of the season. Um, and then always, all those players tend to be inflated. So if you look at the business that's just generally done, in, if you look at Spurs historically, the last player that I think we signed in the January transfer window was about three years ago, and that was Deli Alley, who we immediately loaned back to Milton Keynes. Um, if you look at other clubs, they tend not to do. Look at the other big clubs; they tend not to do a lot of business in that window. Um, years and years ago, United bought Vidic and I think Evra in the January window. Neither of them hit the ground running. It wasn't until the following season, when they had a full pre-season behind them, that they became the players, or, or became the players that Alex Ferguson knew that he had signed, or, or, or that he could then develop further. Um, so I, I can't really see much movement. Um, possibly, I don't know, with some of the players that we've loaned out. Well, let's talk. Some of them might come back. Carter Vickers, Olimar, I don't, I don't know. Um, but I think that if we had an injury crisis and there was some doubt over, for example, out of Elv returning, then possibly. But it seems touch wood, everybody's coming back from, coming back from from injuries. Um, not going to ask you actually about predictions, but more hopes and aspirations. What are your what are both of your hopes and aspirations for Spurs realistically? For this, my hope is that we're going to win the Champions League. My aspiration is that we'll win the FA Cup. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much nail on the head there. I think, <laughs> I think wildest dreams winning the winning the Champions League. You know, we're we're in it. You know, I've always maintained if, we, if we're in a competition, then you know, on our day we can we can turn any team over and and, and ultimately win it. But you know, I think securing you know a Champions League spot for next year is probably the the main aim of of Poch and the players and then hopefully you know lifting some silverware would be would be lovely and for me that would be the FA Cup yeah so hopefully hopefully that um maybe get some more players tied down to sort of longer term contracts have Alderweireld sort of commit his future long term um but other than that I think just keep playing the football that we love to watch and I think yeah, Harry Kane scoring those hat tricks <laughs> I think that's a, that's a fair one to ask for because I think that won't stop anytime soon yeah no, I agree with agree with you both there really um, the FA Cup would, would, would be nice I was there at the semi-final um, and um, against Chelsea last season and I, and I was one of the last first fans to leave the stadium because I just felt absolutely deflated and I just didn't have the will and the energy to, to, I just wanted to just, I you know, just lost the will to live. Really, just felt so deflated, and I just remembered thinking, I, I want us to be back here next season, and and to, and to go that one step further, get to the final, and 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 win it. Um, not so much an aspiration or a hope, but I'm really looking forward to the new stadium. I'm, I'm sure we all are, um, as Spurs fans, this season, hopefully in August. Um, right, final, final question on the podcast. It's a recurring question on the pod. Um, Vass, as it's your first time on the podcast, um, I'm going to ask you this question. You're on a desert island. Who from the current squad do you vote as leader? And if it all goes Lord of the Flies, who do you eat, who do you eat first? <laughs> Oh dear! Um, 
I'll probably make Eric Dyer leader. I don't think uh, there'll be too many people arguing with him. Uh, if if uh, he took any decisions. But if it all did go Lord of the Flies, no, we had to eat to survive. Who do I eat first? Is that what your question yeah, is? Like yeah. a player. Uh, I don't know. I saw a picture of Wanyama's thighs yesterday. They looked quite meaty. So probably, uh, <laughs> sorry, Vic, but, you know, probably stick him over to Barbie first. He's he's a popular choice. Um, I, I think. <laughs> um, really? Yeah, I think. I think. Was, 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 was a few weeks back when I asked you this yeah, question. Yeah, you, he you, was you, my choice. Yeah, was um, it? You said, yeah, he's going to he's going to give you the most sustenance, and I think that that's that's generally in a survival <laughs> survival situation. Yeah, he's a big boy. Yes. <laughs> um, right. Um, all that's left for me to say is um, thank you, Zoe. Thank you, Vass. Happy New Year to both of you. And to you, Jeff. Thanks. And a happy yeah, to you, Zoe. And a happy and happy New Year to all our listeners. Um, we will be back next year, or next Sunday even, um, recording Sunday evening um, a few hours after the um, Wimbledon, AFC Wimbledon FA Cup day, Cup tie. And until then, the future's bright, the future's lily white. Good night. Come on Tottenham, stick it in the goal Come on Tottenham, the pace are bloody slow You are the first team, the last team my dreams have ever seen Put on that lily white and run on to that green White Hart Lane has seen its pain, it's had its low tonight We fought our team through thick and thin and all those glory nights And when the game is done we'll sing a song and talk it out all night Hey! Come on Tottenham, stick it in the goal Come on Tottenham, don't be so bloody slow You are the first team, the last team, my dreams you've ever seen Pull on that lily white and run on to that green Oh, we've seen them come, we've seen them go, the names up on our shirt Gods have failed as men are hailed and faces in the dirt Now gather round and sing it out and we'll talk out over her